Hello, and welcome to the Sacred Witch Podcast. I am your hostess, Setara Durash Kavyani, and this has been a long time coming. I have talked about the possibility of bringing a podcast back for months now, and it was just never aligned. <laughs> until this moment and here we are and in true fashion I'm recording this impromptu the night that it is being released so here we are in the Lionsgate portal of 2022 8-8 and it has been an interesting day in terms of energy and just what's showing up and you know I had a lot of plans for how I wanted this to be and I have a tendency towards perfectionism we can just admit that right now and I have some very wise women in my life who remind me lovingly necessarily that having the thing be perfect doesn't matter as much as actually doing the thing. So here we are. We're recording this episode. We're going to dive right in. For those of you who do not know me, I am intent on really being able to share the medicine of my journey. And why is that relevant? Why would anybody care? I truly feel that to face something can be daunting. And how we deal with certain situations are entirely subjective. So the perceived support that we have, the perceived capacity that we have to hold ourselves and to hold just in general, any experience that we live through, it can sometimes be overwhelming to the point that we're not quite sure what to do with it. So this isn't to say that anybody's broken. I don't buy into that paradigm anymore. I retired, let my license expire as a clinical social worker. We're done with the victim mentality bullshit. You're not broken. You do not need to be fixed. But allowing the possibility for somebody else's experience to be medicine for you is how we support each other as human beings. We're not, at least shouldn't be, in my opinion. <laughs> Take that as what you will. We are not here to have success and to make money just to have success and make money. Is there anything wrong with wealth? No. Is there anything wrong with being fully resourced? Also, no. What I take issue with 
is when we deem experts based on opinions that hold no merit in their own lived experience. What does that actually mean? If you're not walking the talk, quit your talking. There are so many salesy tactics and techniques that I see a large majority of individuals using. It doesn't just have to do with coaching or therapy or anything of that nature. It's it's a paradigm that we live in these days where it is easier to be exploitative than it is to be vulnerable. And we can be mad about this. And we can have our discussions about why this is happening, how to stop it, so on and so forth. But I don't feel that actually serves us. So what do we get out of villainizing something or someone, right? You're putting them on this pedestal as a monster. And there's this assumption of hierarchy. Even if the pedestal is saying, I was victimized by this person, this thing that took advantage of me, and here I am down here, helpless little victim, and I need a hero to come and save me. Spoiler alert, no one is coming to save you. No one is coming to save you. So you got two options, the way that I see it, the options that I had roll over and suffer, take the hits as they come, try to just survive. Option one. Option two, take radical personal responsibility for your role in the co-creation of all of this and choose something else. Every single time you get an option, repeat similar habits, choose something else, choose a new thing take a different path, take a risk that for absolutely no reason would work out and see what happens. Because the truth is, none of this actually matters, does it? If you sit with yourself for just a moment and close your eyes, and allow yourself to reflect on this simple, simple question. Who am I? Are you the one that asks the questions? So are you the mind? No. Very simple to see that we are not the mind because if we were the mind, we would be our thoughts. But if you sit again for a moment and have the thought, what will my next thought be? Stops. And so if you are not your mind, are you the physical body? The materialist religion of science, which dominates a large portion of the Western world today, which had you believe that your embodied experience as who you think you are begins the moment you take your first breath and ends the moment that last breath exhales from your body. And that's it. 
So you got between like 50 to 90 years to figure that out, right? Wrong. We have no control over how long our experience is here. Zero control. What do we have control over? The only thing that we have control over, the only thing that makes sense when you ask the question, who am I? Is that you are the observer. You are the one who sees. And if you are the one who sees every single experience from 120 days before you were born onto this earth realm to the moment that you die. And you have always been the one who sees. You have seen everything from the moment of your birth to your third birthday party to the time that you lost your first tooth until your first kiss until the day that you just feel so free and loved and everything amazing and the moment you die you see all of that and so rather than placing labels placing qualifiers on what's good in life and what we would rather just throw away why not sit with the possibility that rather than happening to you rather than even happening for you. Life is happening through you. You are a vessel of experience of all of the things within your life that you chose so wisely that you created contracts for to come here and experience. And whether you want to buy into that or not is really irrelevant because here's the bottom line. No matter how conscious you are, life will continue to happen through you. Even when we take the position that life is happening to us, that we are victims, it continues to happen through us. The ease with which that's possible will definitely fluctuate if you're creating, co-creating suffering by holding on to ideas and expectations of what should be rather than, rather than allowing what is. You're not leaving room for the magic. I want to tell you a story. And... This story really begins when I was six years old. I had a recurring dream of being burned alive. In this dream, my own family and friends tied me up and burned me. And my most poignant realization before the moment of my death, before waking up from the dream, was just this overwhelming sense that nothing and no one could be trusted. I recognize now that this belief 
was imprinted upon me prior to my very birth. This was an ancestral pattern, a pattern transmitted throughout my lineage for thousands of years, a pattern that was waiting to be challenged, to be broken. A pattern that was waiting for me. So I had this dream for decades. And a lot happened. A lot that would be easy to label as abuse, toxicity, lack of boundaries, addiction, trauma. But the point is that it all led me to this moment of rebirth. And in talking about birth, I would not do this podcast or all of you justice without sharing the transition of my own rebirth. So at 22, I was very lost. I was very angry. I was very bitter. I was the perpetual victim of all of the life circumstances that I co-created, but of course were not my fault. And so finding out at this stage of my life that I would be responsible for another life, that I was pregnant, was devastating. I didn't have an education, didn't have direction, didn't have a partner, didn't have supportive family, didn't have supportive friends, and quite honestly knew absolutely nothing about physiological birth. I barely understood what happened when you went to give birth in a hospital. And after about six weeks of this, I cowered in fear, in self-judgment and self-loathing and projected loathing to the outside world because how the fuck could this happen to me? And I made the heartbreaking decision to not take on that responsibility and to release that little soul back into the cosmos, having no awareness of what that meant, how would it how would it impact me? How would I feel? How would, how would any of it go? And sitting here a decade later, I don't feel regret. I have had 
the immense blessing of interacting with this little soul, with this little spirit on multiple occasions, multiple, multiple occasions. But it took me a long time to get over that guilt. So much so that three years later, when I unexpectedly became pregnant again, release was not even an option. I was very much stuck in the medical paradigm. I didn't trust it. Even then, didn't trust doctors, didn't trust the rhetoric, didn't trust what seemed, you know, like cult-like brainwashing to convince me of my eternal status as a victim who needed to be saved by the medical system. I didn't trust it. But I didn't really think there was another option either. And so I continued to have a normal, but very chaotic and terrifying full-term pregnancy and medical midwife sabotaged birth. And I think the trauma of that trauma really stemming from no perceptible control or say in what was happening with my body because it wasn't mine anymore, was it? The moment that I signed over my autonomy to a person or a group of people or a system that was waiting at the bit for me to come crying to be saved, to be heroed. I didn't get to make the choices anymore. But the choice that I made was to not have a say. The choice that I made was to stay a victim and a victim I stayed. Now fast forward a bit through more chaos, more reasons that I could fully immerse myself in this identity of a victim. And we get to 2020. At this point, I had chosen to stop drinking and to stop using drugs for a little over a year. I was in the midst of a utterly confusing and thoroughly blinding feedback loop which I called a relationship. And it didn't really quite make sense then. What was it about this dynamic that kept drawing me in? 
What was it about this dynamic that kept drawing my ex-partner in? What was it about this thing that we were creating together, which we just couldn't let go of? There's a label associated with that from a lot of directions, from the clinical aspect, from an emotional aspect, from a spiritual aspect. You can select any of them, any of them that work. But what I see now is that this was a necessary investment for me to get the fuck over myself. And July 11th, 2020. I can still remember this day like it happened a few hours ago because it was a fundamental shift in how I was able to truly see myself. I feel like this very fittingly was a point of conception for me. July 11th, 2020 is the day I received my first human sign reading from the incredible, incredible friends that I still have in my life today, Douglas Hetrick in Encinitas, California, and the sun was shining and you could hear birds and the wind chimes through the open window. And there was magic in the air. As I learned about this blueprint, this system of differentiation, which not only allowed me to see myself in a different light, but to also view humanity in a different light, to not take shit so fucking personally. The next day on July 12th of 2020, I had what's called a roomy journey. And the, the experience during this journey of plant medicine healing was unlike anything I had experienced to date. I was everything and nothing at the same time. I had every answer that I ever could have hoped for but it was meaningless because I had no more questions all there was was geometry and light and love and it became so clear in that moment that everything was about to shift for me but I didn't know how. 
I didn't know when, I didn't know why. I just knew that it was never going to be the same. That week is the week in which I conceived my third baby and second child. And started a whirlwind. No, not a whirlwind, a hurricane. Within a month of finding out that I was pregnant, I had lost my relationship. Within two months, I had lost my job. During that time, I became homeless. Within three months, I had no more money left. And all of this was happening while I chose to enroll in a PhD program. So I'm desperately making attempts to keep my head above water, all the while in utter denial of this life growing within me. Around the 20-week mark of my pregnancy, I became so overwhelmed with this fear that something was wrong. Something was wrong with me. Something was wrong with this baby. That I chose to have an ultrasound. And up until this point, I had had no oversight, no care from outside in my pregnancy. This wasn't necessarily intentional at first. I knew that I would never birth in a hospital. But after my previous experience, I had no desire to birth in a birth center either. A home birth sounded nice, but I didn't have a home. And so I was left just waiting. And I walked into that office in San Diego and I felt nothing. I heard a heartbeat, saw images, made small talk and all I could feel was this overwhelming sense that I would never be okay again. But there wasn't time for that. There wasn't time to be a victim. And towards the end of that month, I made a decision which resulted in a massive upheaval of my entire life. I decided that I was going to do it alone. I was going to birth alone, without my partner, without friends, without family. I didn't know how the fuck this was going to play out because I had nothing. I had some boxes of books and clothes and five-year-old and a cat. I have an incredible friend who saw so clearly in 
my moment of absolute desperation that I couldn't do it on my own. Not in that moment. He allowed me and my five-year-old and my cat to move in with him for three months. And I spent a large majority of that three months crying on his couch. Trying to force myself to eat when I wasn't hungry. Trying to nourish my body when I didn't even want to be alive. And this all kind of continued in a very predictable and familiar cycle until January of 2021. Now, I had experimented in the past with this notion of manifestation. I didn't actually know what I was doing or what it was supposed to look like or anything like that. I just knew that I was so miserable that I was willing to do anything, to try anything to shift. I was finally ready to fully surrender. And that's what I did. I bought a journal and a tarot deck that I had no idea what I was doing with. And during the first new moon of 2021, I envisioned manifesting a home. I didn't know how this was gonna be possible. Still had no job, still had no money. I was waiting on a financial aid loan check from my PhD program due at the beginning of the next month. But my credit was destroyed. My willpower, my drive was destroyed. And at that point I had nothing left to lose. So I put everything into this manifestation, all of my energy all of my attention and I put it out to the universe and I waited. Several weeks later, I had this thought that I should just leave the state, that I should move to Idaho, a place that I had only been once as a child and didn't know anything about didn't know anyone in the state even. Um, And it was 12 hours away from everything that I did know and did feel comfort in. uh, And that seemed perfect. So every single day for several hours a day, I would pour over every website that I can think of for rentals, every single one knowing full well that it made absolutely no sense for somebody to rent to me from another state (laughs) with no job, no credit history that would say on paper that I was worth renting to. 
but just overwhelming faith that I was going to make it happen. And a few weeks later, when I was 31 and a half weeks pregnant, I saw this little house, this little three bedroom house with a red door and a little vinyl plasticky white picket fence. And it was so perfect. And I called and I was the first person to call after she posted the ad. And despite 16 other applications, all of whom I'm sure were more qualified than I, they rented me the house. So a week and a half later at 33 weeks pregnant, packed up what little I had left of the remnants of my life in a Jeep Wrangler with a five by eight U-Haul trailer and drove with help <laughs> 12 hours away to start a brand new life in the middle of a massive blizzard. And very fittingly, on Valentine's Day, a day which was a painfully stark reminder of all of my mistakes and lack of capacity to just function. During this time, I really needed something to occupy my mind. And I decided to take a prenatal yoga training. I had taken my 200 hour yoga teacher training prior to finding out that I was pregnant and it just seemed like a good fit. Well, this particular prenatal yoga teacher training was a dual training with a doula training program. Now, up until this point, aside from the one ultrasound, I had no idea what my plans were for prenatal care. I had no idea what my birth plans were. I didn't even know where I would be living. And so I took this course with really no expectation or plan other than to learn a little bit more about physiological birth. I won't name the program because what I will say is there wasn't much in the program itself that relayed a realistic perspective of physiological birth. There was a lot of mental gymnastics to make room for the illusions and the stories that the industrial birth complex will make up. But not a lot that reminded women of the innate power that we have to birth these babies that we create from clumps of cells within our wombs. But there was a guest speaker who was a traditional midwife practicing in South America, six hours away from the nearest hospital. And her perspective on physiological birth made me start to question some of the aspects of my previous births 
that I had just accepted as an inevitability. And when I began to question, I began to wonder if it was at all possible, just like I had manifested this house, the one I'm sitting in right now, would it be possible to manifest a dream birth? And so I toyed around with this notion of birth as ecstatic, birth as pleasurable, birth as a rite of passage rather than a guaranteed trauma. And I became obsessed. I became absolutely obsessed with having a painless, ecstatic birth. I bought every book that I could think of. I watched every video I could think of to watch. I watched so many birth videos that my then five-year-old began to request them. I want to watch a baby being born. I want to watch a dolphin being born. I want to watch a lion being born. I want to watch a crocodile hatch from an egg. Oh my, I think if there is a video of something giving birth on the internet, I have probably seen it more than once. But as funny as that is, it really made me start to question even further. As the human species evolves, as we become so technologically versed and so much more likely to be able to just figure these things out. Why the fuck is it that the United States has the worst rate, the worst rate in all of the industrialized world of maternal and fetal deaths, the worst? Which essentially means that if you're a woman giving birth in the United States, you might be better off going to a third world country and giving birth in a jungle. And I started to sit with this and to consider it. But I was also sitting here in this house with basically no furniture in it. Just trying to figure out what the fuck I was going to do. I didn't have that much time left at this point. Uh, 34, 35 weeks. I mean, maybe I had a month, give or take. So I made the decision to hire a midwife. And the midwife that I hired, I was very clear from the beginning that I was not there to be handled. I was not there to be saved. I was hiring her because I needed another adult in the room. Someone who wasn't my five-year-old, just in case. But not really having trust in a midwife after my previous experience, I decided to also hire a doula. And the initial doula that I found was a beautiful, very kind woman who 
in no way aligned with my birth dream. Because it wasn't even a plan at this point. A plan is something you make knowing full well that it may be interrupted and that you might have to be flexible. I had no flexibility here. I was so obsessed with this notion of a painless ecstatic birth that I wasn't willing to leave room for another option. Now, obviously I know that this was problematic, <laughs> but it was also exactly what I needed. And three days before I gave birth, so 39 weeks and some change, sorry, 38 weeks and some change, um, I fired her, I fired the doula. I let my midwife know what was going on. Um, she suggested some backup options and none of it landed. None of it felt true. None of it felt right. And so it was a Thursday night and I was perusing Instagram, desperately trying to find a replacement that just landed. And that was when I found Mackenzie. And I have to use her name because of the pure magic that was our paths crossing and her being present for me in that moment, in that time. We met at a playground the next day and instantly connected, instantly felt comfortable and just that sense that you get of an old friend, this woman that I had never met before, who was also giving me a massive, massive discount because I happened to be her first doula client. We had actually completed our doulas trainings around the same time, different trainings, same timeline. And I jumped on it and we had plans to meet up later that weekend so that she could come to my house we could get settled get a sense of what needed to be done for her to support me in my birth space but my son had different plans so saturday april 3rd 2021 i was at a friend's house in boise two hours away from where I lived in Twin Falls. I had never driven to Boise before. And we spent that morning at an Easter egg hunt and my oldest had an opportunity to sit in a fire truck and eat terrible candy and meet the third Easter bunny that he had met so far that year. And he loved it so much. And we decided to just take a little road trip and go visit my friend. We went to dinner, spent some time at her house. I weirdly got a nosebleed. I was having some of what felt like tightening surges, you know, in the medical paradigm. They refer to it as Braxton Hicks. Didn't think anything of it. Because I was tired and very, very, very pregnant. We chose to stay at her house that night. 
It was a really strange night because I couldn't seem to get comfortable. I got up, went to get a glass of water, walked around her house a little bit, tried to settle down, went to check on my older son, tried to settle again, and I just felt off. I felt not pain, not even discomfort, just off. And I tried to sleep through it. I texted a friend, my doula and my midwife, and I let them know something might be up. I had done nothing, even during our four prenatal visits that I had had up until this point with my midwife. There's no internal exams, no tests, no labs, no bullshit. Took my blood pressure, measured my stomach, asked if I was feeling good. Standard. Boring. And so I had no reason to think that I was going to go into labor this early. At that point, based on dates, not that they really mean anything, I was exactly 39 weeks pregnant. That next morning, April 4th, 2021, was Easter Sunday. And I woke up and felt like maybe... I had heavy discharge. There was wetness, but not, not anything that concerned me to the point that I thought something was actually happening. I was also not really having what you could call contractions. Every once in a while, very rarely, I would have more tightening. Sometimes it would last a little longer, be a little bit more uncomfortable, but for the most part, that was completely fine. And my friend was in her yard setting up a little private Easter egg hunt for her kiddos and for mine. And I found myself unable to get comfortable, whether I was standing, whether I was sitting. And so I tried to stay quiet while I watched them have their Easter fun. And by about 9.30 or 10 in the morning, I turned to her and said, you know, these don't seem to be stopping. And as somebody who had three babies of her own, she very wisely pointed out that the pattern and timing of these tightenings seem to be a little bit more consistent than the previous hours. And so I figured just for fun, sure, let's time it. And right around five or six minutes on the dot, there would be another one. It would last for about 20 or 30 seconds dissipate and then there'd be another one I waited for about 20 more minutes of this and at this point every five minutes on the dot I consistently had a tightening surge that lasted 30 seconds 
fuck. I'm at my friend's house, two hours from home, two hours from my midwife, two hours from my doula, two hours from my birth tub, from my supplies, the baby clothes, the diapers, all of this plan out the fucking window. Because now I'm faced with another choice. Do I get in the car? Very clearly, at least in early stages of labor, but as it progressed very quickly, it's clear that it was not the early stages of anything. Or my other option was to stay at her house, hope that they went away, maybe end up birthing a baby in her bathroom. That wasn't an option that I felt comfortable with. So I begrudgingly stuffed my five-year-old into his car seat, took him away from his Easter festivities, placated him with candy, and started a completely unexpected two-hour drive home. Inactive labor. The second I sat down behind the wheel, I realized that, like I mentioned, this was not the early stages of anything. I had been waiting to be in pain for so long that had I waited any longer, I would not have been able to make that drive. By the time I figured out how to calm myself down, enough to put gas in the car and get on the road and start driving. The surges were four and a half minutes apart. About an hour into the drive, they were four minutes apart, lasting a minute each. And when I was about 10 minutes from home, they were consistently coming every three minutes and lasting a minute each. For anyone who's ever had a baby, this is the point where they tell you to get your ass to the hospital or the birth center, wherever you're going, wherever you're leaving to, to be saved. No shame in that either, but it is a choice. Leaving your house is the first intervention. So here I am, right? Very clearly in active labor. Get home, can barely make it through the driveway. Not because I'm in pain, but because at this point, I have to utilize a little bit more attention for these sensations. This tightening is something I'm familiar with, but not something that I expected. I was expecting pain. I was expecting panic. But I had just spent a little over two hours because Easter Sunday, traffic, windy Idaho highway, not a straight California freeway. This is a little over two hours spent in that car. And the only way that I made it back here alive is that I tasked my mind to do the driving. Something my mind is great at. I've been driving cars at this point for over 15 years. And I tasked my mind so clearly and without any exception to this driving task, knowing full well that my body would take over the process of birthing this baby, 
that by the time I got back to my house, I was an entire denial that I was even going to have a baby that day. I almost told my midwife not to come. And for about 20 to 30 minutes after I got home, poor Mackenzie saw me just spinning around in absolutely diluted circles, trying to clean my house, start loads of laundry, um, tell her where diapers were, were um, to get food for my older son to calm my cat down who was running in circles because he didn't know what the fuck was going on and after about 20 to 30 minutes of this I realized that it was really getting exhausting to have to talk and to have to even be in the presence of anything or anyone else and it was at this point I think I maybe finally started to accept what was happening and so I decided to go upstairs and take a shower. I let Mackenzie know this is what I was going to do. About five to ten minutes into the shower, she came in and asked if I needed anything. I asked her to start setting up the birth tub. And it wouldn't inflate. There was just something weird going on with it. And uh, I tried not to concern myself because once I got in that shower... I realized that this was the precipice that I was about to cross a threshold that there was no coming back from and that I was going to have to do it alone. And I asked for space and turned off all the lights, had Mackenzie light some candles, put on my birth playlist. And I stood in that shower for the longest time. Time honestly seemed to disappear. It was just one surge to the next. And I started sobbing. Because I had this overwhelming understanding of why things played out the way that they did. Why I ended up alone in that shower about to give birth for the third time to my second living child and it made so much sense of why I had to be alone why nobody was there in that moment because there was nobody there to save me when I sat in that shower very alone, very much in labor, very devastated. My only option was to surrender. And as I surrendered to the waves that hit me even harder than the droplets of water from shower head that I really, really don't like. I had so much peace. It was so easy to accept that what was happening was happening through me, that I was simply a witness to the process and that there was nothing that needed to be done. Nothing. There was no one else that was supposed to be there. 
There was nothing lacking. And after about 40 minutes or so in the shower, I realized that standing didn't seem great anymore. Um, at some point while walking up the stairs to the shower, I texted my midwife. I barely have recollection of this, but she got lost on the way to my house. She had only been here once before and, um, it is a little bit confusing if you haven't been here before because my street is the street that it is. And then there's a version of it about five minutes from here that's north. Now, when you put it into maps for the longest time, it would direct you to the house on the north version of the street. And so she ended up getting lost and it took her a while to get here. And during this time, I decided to take a bath because the birth tub's not ready yet. And eventually my midwife and her assistant get there and I'm there, but I'm not. I can still have conversations and laugh and joke and talk to my older son and hold my birthstone that I had gotten. It was a bath bomb, actually, an herbal bath bomb that had a stone inside of it. And I was just gripping onto this stone that I still have on my altar upstairs and surrendering into it, moving into each wave opening and allowing the expanse to take place and she walks in and we make very brief small talk before another surge washes over me and she looks me right in the eyes and says you're not gonna have time to fill up the birth tub i'm still not experiencing pain up until this point I am in entire denial still I think a little bit that I'm actually about to have this baby and she walks out of the room and comes back in and as she comes back in my waters break while I'm in the tub and everything shifted after that it became more urgent to hold the space for myself. It became more urgent to be in positions that felt easeful because despite not having pain, there was nothing easeful left of this process. And I believe at some point she had asked if I was okay with her taking my blood pressure and fetal heart tones. And I don't think it ever actually even happened because once my waters released, the surges shifted. I started making these guttural noises, not screams, because I wasn't in pain, but just this deep sound of release. And it felt so good, so good to make these sounds. And being the experienced midwife and experienced mother of nine that she was, 
everyone in that room, I think other than me knew that there was going to be a baby with us within the next 20 minutes. It was about 15. The weirdest thing happened within the next couple minutes. And I felt my body start to push. I wasn't consciously doing this. I didn't even really feel ready. If you can ever feel ready to push, but it just was happening. And I noticed my midwife immediately put her hand out to check me, catch him. I don't know what she was doing, but having been very clear that this is not something that I was comfortable with, I pushed her hand away. I'm in my very small bathroom and my very small bathtub, none of which was planned. The lighting in there is terrible. Nobody is dumb enough to try to turn on the light in the bathroom because they're not trying to mess up my space. And up until this point, I still haven't been touched. I've had an entirely undisturbed physiological birth. And I felt intuitively that I needed to birth on my hands and knees. The problem with doing that in the bathtub was that I couldn't catch my baby from that angle. And my midwife couldn't reach over the lip of the tub and catch him from that angle. And so I suddenly had two options to stay in a position where I could catch him myself or to get out of the tub. It took one surge before realizing that I wasn't going to be able to stay in the tub. So this water birth that I had envisioned was not going to happen. It only took about two surges to get from my bathtub to my bed, which is maybe 40, 50 steps. And during each of those steps, I could feel my baby descending down, which is the weirdest thing to be walking with essentially what's a bowling ball between your legs. And so I'm, I'm making this walk from the bathtub to the bed and that sucks. I wouldn't call that pain, but I was definitely uncomfortable because at this point, something messed up my space, my groove. And so I try to settle back in on the bed and get into a position that feels comfortable. And I can feel my body pushing him out. I can feel him working with my body to wriggle down. And it was just the craziest sensation and dance of utter trust and surrender. Me having this utter trust and faith that my baby knows how to be birthed and that my body knows how to birth this baby and my baby trusting that everything unfolding is exactly what is meant for them. And I remember my midwife just saying over and over, let him come, let him come. And I didn't realize until her words really sunk in that I was actually holding him in. My fear at this point, my only fear was tearing, knowing full well that once he was born and once they left, I would go back to being entirely alone with a five-year-old, a cat, and a newborn baby. 
And it took a couple of surges for me to fully surrender to the point that I could let go enough to let him come. And I remember during one particular surge feeling this overwhelming joy of release, which happened to be his head coming out. And this is a moment that's a little blurry because I was in a liminal space in a transitional space, which wasn't here and wasn't in the spirit world, but wasn't really anywhere. It was everywhere, but wasn't really anywhere, which I see now as this threshold between the spirit world where my baby was and the material world that he was about to be birthed into. And I feel something touch me. And my immediate visceral response is to scream no. I didn't register who touched me, what was happening. It turned out that in my obsessive thought process of not wanting to tear, I had somehow co-created this scenario where my midwife, who had not touched me up until this point, other than to help me walk from the bathtub to the bed, saw a nuchal hand coming out with my son's head. For those of you not familiar with birth, a nuchal hand is one that comes out against their little face. And all she said that she did was take two fingers to just push his hand back up in. That was the only time during my birth that I was touched. And I screamed no so loudly that it took me by surprise, took my midwife by surprise, her assistant and my doula and my cat and my five-year-olds um, were all just in utter shock that this peaceful bubble of birthing bliss had been punctured by this clear boundary that I had set. And as I screamed that, my five-year-old ran into the room and within a minute or two, watched his brother be birthed into this world. My midwife caught him and immediately passed him through to me. And I looked at this perfect little human and just started sobbing. I fucking did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. I birthed this perfect child in painless, ecstatic, psychedelic glory against every single odd that was stacked against us both. He didn't leave my arms for the next two hours as I held him. He let out a quick, loud cry to clear his lungs and then peacefully drifted off to sleep. We stayed there in a little bubble of bliss for about two hours until the cord was white, not pulsating. And during his cord burning ceremony, he just slept occasionally 
suckled a little bit learning to nurse for the first time and it was everything that I had never known I needed and something that no one could ever take away from me every birth serves a role in the transformation of a woman from maiden to mother but every subsequent birth is death and rebirth of the mother you were into the mother you will be. That day, every aspect of me that had never felt like enough, every story that I had about needing a savior Every fear that I had about failing vanished. Because the power and possibility that I felt in that moment holding my son and knowing that I did this, I did it, was transformational. And who you see and hear before you today, your perception of who I am, has been since I have been but would not have the courage to voice my truths, my journey without that day. So many view Easter Sunday as the resurrection of a savior. I will forever view Easter Sunday as the resurrection of myself. So what is the point in me sharing a birth story? And why on a podcast? I need to scream from the rooftops. That undisturbed physiological birth is not a novelty. It is not a privilege. And it is not luck. It is biology. It is spiritual. It is birth. Simple complex, messy, so perfect, and yet the single most misunderstood physiological human process that I think exists today. So if even just one woman hears this story, hears this episode, 
and understands that there is absolutely nothing that can show up in your life that you do not have the capacity to hold and transform and transmute into not only medicine and healing for yourself, but medicine and healing for the entire collective. This whole thing was worth it. And I don't quite know what I'll be sharing on future episodes because this is a place of authentic witnessing. You are witness to my journey. You are witness to what I am able to synthesize as wisdom from these experiences to bring forth to you as story. But rather than being a story in my head, in co-created suffering and misery, these stories are my truths, my unmutable, unquestionable, unwavering truths. And maybe, just maybe, standing here in my truth, unashamedly, will allow you to see that it's possible. And maybe even inspire you to do the same. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking in this story medicine with me. And if you enjoyed this, even for a moment, I would be so elated if you would share this with someone you love, leave me a review, send me a message on Instagram. You can find me at the sacred witch. If you feel called to explore this topic further or anything else that I mentioned tonight outside of the birth story, you can also send me an email, connect at thesacredwitch.com. And until next time, my witchy loves, remember, you are cosmic stardust. Never settle, never give up because every aspect of your life should be cosmic stardust, should be that level of fuck yes or nothing. I want cosmic stardust or I want nothing. Signing off. Thank you.